Unless you want to, it's the Ron and Don Show, starring Ron and Don, and sometimes me at ronanddon.com. Hey, you guys, what's going on? It's episode 267 now of the Ron and Don Show. What is up, Ron and Don? Nation? Hey, we are live from the Les Schwab Studios, and coming up on the Ron and Don Show, if you want to extend your life, and I know when I was like 30, I didn't care about it much because I don't know what you do. I always do this. I double my life. I'm like, I'm 30. 30, double, 60. Yeah, I'll be around when I'm 60, but all of a sudden I'm 54, and I'm like, 54, double, 54. Whoa! More than halfway. More than halfway. There's no doubt about that. Unless... Unless I have the ability to extend my life. So uh, some new research out, some serious research on how we can do that. So we're going to talk about that if you're interested in longevity. Also, Prince Harry talking a lot about mental health right now with Oprah Winfrey. I've been listening to these interviews with Oprah. I have a lot to say about it. And is he doing it? At the expense of his family. We'll talk about that. Before we talk about that, though, let's talk about this. Ford is in the news right now because they've come barnstorming in and said, hey, guess what? Not only are we making an F-150, which is the world's and, of course, the country's best-selling pickup truck, not only are we going to put a battery in there, but we can have all kinds of cars that we're working on right now. We're going to throw some batteries in. As a result of that, is Tesla worried right now? And also, what's going to happen with other automakers is it seems like folks over at Chevy, they may be a little behind right now. As a result of that, oil takes a big hit. Big oil takes a big hit this week. And big tech, though, is a big bump in big tech because now people are saying that when it comes to the cars of the future that we're going to drive, that big tech, and Apple is going to have a lot to say about this. Ron, people have been wondering, is are we going to be able to wake up one day and go jump in our Apple vehicle? Or will it be a Ford just tricked out with Apple stuff? What do we know? Because everyone's talking about Apple right now this week. Well, right now, as we sit here, uh, you can get the Apple Dash uh, Play thing in your dashboard. So it's not controlling the vehicle, but it controls entertainment. It can control your phone. It can control maps, that sort of thing. Here, Here's the evolution of this that they're trying to figure out. Um, you know, cars obviously have been around for a long time. And so as they progressed, each individual component has been given sensors and little microprocessors. And so there wasn't really a global setting for this. So your windshield wipers would have a sensor and they would have a motor. And if the windshield wiper was broken, it would send a code to something and a light would go on like that. That's about how complicated it was, but there were hundreds of these. So you'd have one for the brakes. You'd have a sensor for the air conditioner. You'd have a sensor for the gas gauge. You'd have all of these sensors we're all individual, and they can be made by different companies. So one company's making the blinkers, a different company's making the seatbelts, a different company can be making the tires. And all they had to do was say, here's our sensor. It's going to send a code and then an error light goes on. So what Tesla did, and this is what they think Apple's trying to do is go, well, uh, we're not going to look at the car as a mechanical platform. We're going to look at it as a technology platform. Mm. So what if we take a couple of computers now that they're super small and we run the whole thing 
We don't just have a, a sensor that says, uh, you know, is this working? Is it not working? Tesla has built some sort of whimsy into the system where it's like, if you want your blinker to fart, you can do that. You can set a thing and they've like, hey, let's make some comedy in here. Let's give it some personality because the computer runs the whole thing, not just one individual piece. Mm. Apple has been poking around at this. They made a run or they, they started to date Hyundai. And the, the rumor was that they just wanted the whole company. Because if you've noticed with Apple, they like to control, they're control freaks. And that's part of their success. They want to, and they just now started making their own chips. That was the big, the, the sort of Shangri-La for the longest time is they had to farm out their chips. Now they make the chip too. So they like to control everything from the software to the hardware to the user experience, the entire supply chain. And they said that, you know, in transferring that to cars, they kind of don't want to be a partner because they don't want to battle over what they would consider stupid things. So they sort of poked around Hyundai. Hyundai was like, hey, we're not interested in just selling the whole company. We'll partner with you, but we don't want to be the sub partner. It's 50-50. And so Apple sort of backed out. They have been poking around and acquiring different sort of satellite things around car technology, but they don't have the, the car yet. It, here's where I think it's interesting, because I was talking to a friend of mine, knowing we were going to do this segment, who's way more into cars than I am. And he was thinking, Apple may, might be picturing the car as just a battery chassis with a computer on top. And then the cool thing that Apple could do is it wouldn't matter what you put on the top. And so if you think about it in those terms where it's like, I'm going to have maybe three size battery chassis. You could put a truck on the top. You could put a camper van. You could put a sprinter. You could put a sedan. You could put whatever you want on the top. But the chassis part and the computer part is basically going to be the same. It's kind of like when we played slot cars when we were younger, and you would have the basic slot car. My brother and I uh, would have the basic slot car, but if I wanted to race a Pinto or I want to race a Mustang or I want to race a camper van, like you said, you could just interchange uh, whatever you would snap on on top, and then we put them on the slot track, and we we would race those. So there could be, if they figure this out, or if he's right, you could go to an Apple store or you could go to on applecars.com and basically build it. So you could say, I want the medium sized chassis with this range. You know, how Apple does it when you buy your laptop. Do you want the medium, the small hard drive, the medium hard drive or the large hard drive? Yeah. So I want the medium chassis. I want the maximum amount of range that cost me an extra 10 grand. Uh, and I want it to be a four door sedan. Then I get to pick the colors. I get to pick it. I need, you know what? I'm, I'm in the, I'm in the van life. So I'm going to get the large chassis, longest range, and I want a van chassis on there. And, you know, then you, you it sort of checks you out and it's like, Hey, in three months, your car's going to be ready. That I think would be a game changer because Apple typically doesn't enter into a category until they, they're doing something that completely changes the game. So when you think about the iPhone, it partnered with Motorola. Do you remember the Motorola Razor and it had iTunes in there? Oh, yeah. But th that lasted for like a month. And then Steve Jobs was like, screw you. We're just going to build the whole phone. We don't like working with Motorola. We don't want to deal with Motorola. We're, we think we're better than Motorola. And, and they were. 
And so they, once they controlled the entire device, that's when it took off. Mm. You think about, um, the iPad. They invented the category. You think about iTunes. Napster existed and all of those, there were streaming services that mm. existed before the Zune came along. But Apple said, no, we're changing the game. You can get any song ever within these catalogs of the five major groups for a monthly fee, $9.99. That blew my mind. Like, I take it for granted now. People take Spotify for granted now. That's revolutionary. That changed the game because before that, one CD was $17. Yeah. Now I can think of any song just about. Put it like we were doing a thing a couple weeks ago. You wanted to hear John Denver. You just type in John Denver. The John Denver Essentials pop up. You hit play. It's nine different albums. You don't have to go out and spend $200 on that. So it changed the category. If they're going to change the category, it can't just be slapping an Apple logo on the hood. It can't just like that. Like they're not going to put in the billions of dollars required to have it a co-branding thing. Yeah, they're not reading, interested in that. I was reading the other day in a, in, in a lot of their research now, they will spend three, four, five billion dollars on something to decide that they don't want to do it. Right. When you have those kind of pockets, that's really amazing to me. So yeah. So I think it would be interesting. It would be easier for them to acquire a brand. And I forget which brand it was. It might be like not Suzuki, and it's not Subaru. It's one of those smaller. They were going to second tier brands. They're like, hey, well, if Hyundai's not interested, we're interested in well, kind of selling time, it to you. a long time ago, Apple was going to connect with the Swatch car, and they were going to be. They were but that be was part that, of that was a part of Mercedes. Yeah. Mer- that was a co branding with Mercedes. Mm-hmm. So there was an intact, an actual car company with factories. That, and I, it, it might be Suzuki. I don't. And it's not Suzuki. It's what something like that, hmm. where it's not a top tier brand, but they have the infrastructure. Uh, and so, like, is Datsun still a company? It was like Datsun, hmm. whatever that. Datsun is Nissan. So or, okay, so it was something along those lines where it wasn't a, a marquee brand, but they have the infrastructure. So if Apple could take that over, I, I would be interested to see it. Um, I, I've I've noticed my, and I'm curious to what you think about this. I've noticed my attitude change around Tesla. When they first came out, I was super intrigued and I looked into possibly getting a Tesla. Uh, the charging station was a problem with where I live, so I didn't pull the trigger on it. Now, a couple years down the road, the, the brand has, in my mind, has turned into like, I don't identify with the brand anymore. Hmm. I don't picture myself as a Tesla guy. Uh, do you picture yourself as a Tesla? I've been guy? looking at Teslas. Have you driven one? I have driven one. The problem is, if you drive a Tesla, you want the hundred eighty thousand dollar Tesla. Right. That's the problem. Of course. That's that's the brand I identify with. That hundred eighty thousand. I see you as a Cybertruck guy. <laughs> have you looked at Cybertruck? Yeah, those are great. Yeah, those like, are. Great. I can see you getting a Cybertruck. It's pretty cool. But like the F one fifty, Joe Biden just gave them a, a nudge because he went yeah. and drove the electric one, uh, and that's going to be a game changer if you yeah. can. Uh, you know, take over that sort of construction guy mode where they do that. But I, I'm I'm very intrigued. If Apple actually acquires a car manufacturer, that's when things will get real. All right. Uh, coming up next uh, podcast, we're going to talk about mining and mining. We're going to talk about uh, Tesla making a decision about mining and miners, and then we also have to talk about actually mining lithium and what that's going to look like around the world. So we'll talk about that coming up in episode 268. Straight ahead, don't go anywhere. Coming up the Ron and Don Show, let's talk about uh, Prince Harry 
and the fact that he is kind of doing this docu-series right now with Oprah. And is he doing it just to make a lot of money at the expense of his family? We'll talk about that on the other side of this. You can just tell that they uh, that they're just real genuine guys and, and care about uh, who they work with and just feel like we you know we got we got some some more friends now. It truly is one of life's biggest transactions. If you're downsizing, upsizing, or right sizing, Ron and Don can help you buy, sell, or invest in real estate. It all starts with a Ron and Don sit down. Hi, I'm Ollie. Hi, I'm Emmy. Hi, I'm John Greenland. I'm Lauren Greenland. Hi, my name is uh, Anthony Kroll. Hi, I'm Gretchen. And I'm Byron. And we sat down with, with Ron and Don. They were more prepared. They paid way more attention to detail. Um, and then they just came in with a, with a lot more knowledge and were able to set those expectations up a lot better than um, some of the previous uh, realtors that we worked with. So, I mean, I was I was extremely pleased with uh, the the entire, the, the sit down, the, the experience and, and the results, of course. There was a friendship that developed and a, and a, and a trust. Mm -hmm. You know, I would say a trust and then, you know, we yeah. have, we love them. It's been a hell of a lot of fun for one thing. I see them as, as friends now. I feel like they've made me feel part of this community and knowing that you know, Dawn's just down the street is is comforting. <laughs> we totally consider Ron and Dawn friends of ours now, and we do miss working with them. It was intense there for a little bit, but it's an experience that we'll always remember and have, and um, and now lifelong friends. It's the Ron and Dawn Nation. That's right. <laughs> Don't forget, when you're ready to sit down and start your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at runanddonsitdown.com. Sign up for the nation news at runanddonradio.com. All right, you guys, welcome back uh, to the Ron and Don Show. I've been pretty intrigued by things that Prince Harry has had to say. And not so much in his interview with Oprah Winfrey, but I signed up for his five-part series on Apple, uh, and I've been listening to his conversations with Oprah Winfrey about mental health. And early on, I was beginning to think, because some people had said, and I had read, that Prince Harry realized that he would never be the King of England, that he'd always be overshadowed by his brother. And as a result of that, he decided to move to the U.S. and be the king of the U.S. And in a way, he kind of has become that. We we're talking about Prince Harry and Oprah a lot more than we're talking about William right now. Uh, I think what's really interesting, though, is if you if you stop and really take a moment and listen to him and his conversations with her, uh, and there was, there, were, there was something about his mom passing away a number of decades ago that I didn't get, and, and I still remember it, but I didn't get this. But this is what seared in him. And, and it's one of the reasons why he has struggled uh, with his mental health. And now here, here he is. He was like 11 or 12 yeah. when she was passed. Yeah. And, and, and he said this, and I never thought about this. He said, do you realize the paparazzi that chase my mother down and basically killed my mother? You know what they did? They kept the cameras rolling. They were the same paparazzi that took pictures of her dead body and Dodie Fayed, who was also killed in that accident. The, the, the same cameramen that were chasing her in that tunnel profited 
from her death and made hundreds of thousands of dollars selling those photographs. Never even thought about that. Then he talked about the trauma of being forced, forced, not wanting to do this, but feeling full because he was so mad and he was so angry that his mother had been taken away from him. And then he was forced to be in this parade with her casket on display, walking uh, across the asphalt and streets and cobblestone. And he said he closes his eyes today and he can just he can still still hear the horse hoofs hitting that cobblestone and what it does to him and the way that it triggers him and his grandmother being so stoic. His father, we know, being a cheater and also being very stoic, uh, there was no place for him to really park his feelings and to talk about his emotions. And a lot of that stuff he didn't even understand. And so he said, that's why when I got into my 20s, I started partying. I started drinking. I started doing drugs. We know about the rager that happened in Las Vegas. And the thing that happens, though, a lot of times when, when those things happen in your 20s, by the time you get a little older, you grow out of that. And he wasn't growing out of that. Why he, he had friends and family that were growing out of that and growing older. He felt like he was stuck in a place where he really still needed to numb. So when he started reaching out and talking about finding help, not just for himself, but also for his new wife, uh, and they couldn't find that place. And it was something that, that the royal family didn't want to talk about. And again, being very stoic about this, uh, it, it, it drove him to a place of isolation and it drove him to a place of feeling, feeling suicidal. And his wife, of course, felt the same way. And then you could imagine, I, I can't imagine. I can't. We, we were on the pages of the Seattle Times a couple times, and mostly because we did some good things, and then one time because we were let go by a radio station. And just being on the front page of the Seattle Times and all the people that contacted me or stopped me in stores or my son's teachers and wanted to know what happened. And this wasn't my mother dying. This is just losing a job and people curious and wanting to know. I can't imagine what that was like for him. I can't imagine what that was like for William. I can't imagine what it was like for that family. And so it seems like for years now, he's been looking for a safe place, looking for a safe place to explore his mental health. And it seems like he had to move uh, thousands of miles away in order to begin this road of recovery and of mental health. When I listened to his conversations with Oprah, initially I thought, wow, he's sitting here and he's throwing his family under the bus. And I know that there's things that have come out now that his older brother has said, hey, we kind of got it when you did the interview with Oprah and we thought you were done kind of going after the family. But now in these new interviews that he's doing with Oprah, he's really talking about the queen mother uh, and just really what a bad parent she was. And he doesn't call her a bad parent, but she's framed as one. Uh, and really, really, you you after you listen to these interviews, you probably won't think of Prince Charles. And I've never liked Prince Charles. Like, that's never been my guy. Like, Prince Charles, he's never been my guy. But but I think Diana was always our person, at least here in the U.S. At least it feels that way. And 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 you, you see the family recoiling, not wanting to have these conversations. 
hoping that this goes away. And I relate to this. I totally relate to this. Which part? The hairy side or the family side? No, just the family side. Like, Like when I started to really want to have conversations about mental health with my family, there was nobody in my family that wanted to have those conversations. Most of the people in my family still don't want to have those conversations. And I give my mother so much credit because through this year of COVID, her and I have, have talked on the phone uh, almost every day. Almost every day we have talked on the phone. And through that process, my mother has really listened to me. We have had some really important conversations. I bet these are the kind of conversations that Harry would want to have with his mother if his mother was still around, but she's not. And it doesn't seem like his dad is open to having these conversations and certainly uh, not his grandmother. But it, it, there, there's something about an older generation where we don't talk about these things. We keep these things inbound and we keep these things in our family. And my, my, my grandfather would call it, you don't allow things to get in the family way. When there's family business or there's family trauma or there's a family story that may be embarrassing, you don't allow that story to get in the family way is is what he would say. And it has certainly felt that way for me growing up until recently beginning to have these conversations with my mom, being able to tell her what it was like, the boyhood trauma that I went through the things that I went through with my father, the things that she didn't realize. And a lot of times what happens is as a parent, and I get this now in talking to my mom, she she would, instead of listening to me, just listening to me, she would internalize those things and then beat herself up and then say, damn it, why didn't I step in? Why did and, and so initially you're in denial, Donald, these things in my family, I'm Donald and in, in I'm Donald in the Midwest. You're in, you, you deny that these things happen. And then when you begin to acknowledge them, you, you, you feel like you have to put them someplace or you feel like you have to defend it or you feel like you should have helped or you start beating yourself up. And really, all I ever wanted is for my mother to listen. And my mother has, has listened to me this year during the age and that's, of COVID. That's awesome. I'm really glad to hear that that happened. I, I, I applaud Harry for modeling that it's okay to talk about mental health. He, he, he goes through this technique that I'm unfamiliar with where he's trying to rewire his brain, where he'll go through those traumatic events and he does this thing and evidently it works for a lot of people. He crosses his arms and he starts tapping his shoulders and the, the theory on it is, is you're rewiring your brain. Uh, you're giving a, a there's a whole science to it. I don't, I don't know how to speak to it intelligently, but it's, he, he's chosen a technique that works for him and he modeled it for people. And you get to watch him talk to his therapist, which is very, very brave. And hopefully people see that and go, Hey, I need to find the thing that works for me. So maybe it's talk therapy, maybe it's this therapy, maybe it's a hypnosis, whatever it is that's going to help you unlock that to, to go do it. And um, we've tried to do that on this show. Say, hey, men, especially talk about your it's OK to be sad. Talk to somebody. It's OK to have anxiety and go talk to somebody. Sometimes you're carrying a lot of weight and you just to have someone to talk to and just listen uh, is incredibly valuable. And that's another silver lining for me in, in COVID is I have a very good friend that we meet almost every week and we just talk about stuff. 
And sometimes it's lighthearted and sometimes it's very, very serious. But we've we decided together to say we're close enough now and I need you to listen to me. Uh, and it's been a game changer to have that to look forward to every week of like uh, on this day, we're going to do a Zoom call and we get to talk about stuff and I can ask them questions. Sometimes it's about finance, sometimes it's about relationship, sometimes it's about whatever. But uh, for Harry to do this and for Oprah, who is a, an exceptional listener and question asker, I think it's it's really good. And then the second point He's allowed to have his experience. And if his experience, the, the, the royal family is dealing with a reckoning right now uh, in, the, in a lot of the same ways that the United States is of looking at them and going, hey, remember when you dominated all these, these countries in Africa? Remember when you dominated a country like India and you weren't very uh, good towards these people? You basically raped and pillaged their lands. And, and took all the valuable stuff and, and, and plunged them into poverty and kept them there, sort of had your boot on the neck uh, of these countries when you were the quote-unquote empire, uh, maybe it's time that you reckon with that. Mm. Maybe it's time when Great Britain sort of atones for its history in the same way that people in America are now going, hey, remember that 400 years of oppression on, on people of color? Maybe we should own up to that now. Maybe we should change the way policing works. Maybe, uh, you know, we should change the way we view certain things. Uh, maybe we should have a reckoning uh, as a society and as a culture. And so Prince Harry has a point of view. He is in a uh, quote unquote interracial marriage where he got ostracized for that. And so he didn't, I don't think that he threw the first stone in this battle, you know, and he gets to own his truth. And if he wants to talk about it with Oprah, because he thinks that's going to help people, and maybe it pisses off the royal family, he's he's decided, it seems like, I'm going to help these potential millions of people, even though it might hurt this half a dozen people. And so deal with it. Grow up, deal with it, own your stuff. I'm trying to own my stuff. I have a friend that went to primary school with with him, and, and you are right. He went through a phase uh, that got pretty wild. And um, my friend had firsthand experience with it. And it was like, it was fun at the time because he's Prince Harry. <laughs> and so, but you're right. You look back down and you go, and now I'm married with two kids and got a dog in a house. And he was still Prince Harry. I think the turning point for him was when he did military service. He interacted with men and women, especially Brits or the UK people that got injured in the war where he wasn't allowed to go into the same battles they were. And so he started the Invictus games and sort of that became, that was the turning point. It seems like to me where he's like, Oh, I need to grow up. This is real. These, my, my contemporaries uh, lost a limb. What can I do to grow up and sort of step into my stance with the world? And now he's shifted that again to say, I think I'm going to be the Invictus game slash mental health guy yeah. and good for him. No. Yeah. And I, and, and this is something that Ron's really good at and something that I'm, I'm working on. And we hear this word, emotional intelligence all the time. And I'm, I'm not intelligent about most emotional intelligence, but it doesn't mean I'm not trying to learn about it. Cause I am. And, and what emotional intelligent people do and you see Oprah do this beautifully in her interviews is not only do they listen and help frame things, but they don't try to fix things. That's hard. 
because we all have advice. We all have things we want to say. And a lot of times, people just want to be heard. In the same way that Prince Harry heard the clippity-clop of those horses' hoofs, he just wants to be heard. And in being heard comes the healing. We'll see you on the other side of this. Today's show is made possible by your friends, Ron and Don, licensed realtors with Windermere Midtown. When you're ready to sit down and strategize about your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at ronanddonsitdown.com. All right, you guys, welcome back to the final segment of the Ron and Don Show. And don't forget, we are licensed brokers at Windermere. And even though we're busy, you guys, we are not too busy for you. That's why we built the Ron and Don Nation team at Windermere, right? That's right. We have a, a buyer's or seller's playbook. Here's the, here's the thing I'm getting a lot recently. People are curious. They want to reach out for the playbook, and they feel like either, A, my time horizon is too long, or that they don't know if they're ready to go right now. And so I would just say to you when we, we send you this book, we're, we're, not, we're not angling to like do something tomorrow. But I think we should do the sit-down so that you can have a game plan, you can have a framework to hang these ideas on. And if it's, we, we had a meeting today with some clients that we met in 2019. Uh, and so now is the time we're going to hit the go button. But it, so I guess what I'm trying to say is we'll send you the guide, send you the playbook, and then let's do a sit-down. And then if it's like, hey, I, I have a framework now and let's connect in six months or let's connect in a year. It's better to know now so that you don't just aren't spinning your wheels and you don't know what the action items are. Yeah, a lot of the homes uh, that we are selling right now in 2021, we started gearing up in 2019 and 2020 to bring these homes to market. We're gearing up right now to bring homes not only this summer and into the fall, but even into next spring already. So something to think about, all right? Don't forget, we are full-service realtors. We are fabulous, and we are fun. (laughs) And we are alliteration. Hey, who wants to live longer? Uh, I don't know. I think about this. uh, I, I have so many friends now whose parents are dealing with dementia. And I see them now get locked away in some of these centers. In fact, a dear, dear friend of mine, his mother-in-law is struggling with dementia right now, and she has been uh, for probably the last five years. And, and, and five years ago, it was still a joy to be around her. Uh, now it is just a struggle to watch her struggle because it is such a mean, awful disease. And uh, a lot of people now end up in care centers and they end up in centers that can help with the brain and help stimulate. There's a lot of good care out there, but a lot of this care is very, very expensive too. I mean, we're talking in some cases, 17, 18, $20,000 a month uh, in order to take care of a parent that is dealing uh, with some type of brain trauma uh, later on in life. So you start thinking about longevity And this is what I've decided. When my teeth are gone and most of my hair is gone, I'm gone. 
is what I've decided. Teeth and hair gone. I'm gone. I actually got that from my uncle George. When he passed away, he was down to three teeth. He was just eating soup. And he said, you know, when I get to the point where I'm just down to a couple teeth and I'm eating soup, it's time to go. It was time to go. And uh, he left us earlier this year. Uh, There's some new research out now about longevity. We've talked about the six blue zones around the world and the things that are important to keep you alive longer and not just connected to an oxygen tank. And those things are, number one, make sure you're, you're a part of a big community. You're a part of something bigger than yourself. Number two, uh, make sure you're moving every day, that you're doing stuff that involves movement. And it doesn't mean you have to jump on a Peloton bike or lift weights. It just means you need to move, 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 move. Also, the amount of meat in your diet shouldn't be bigger than a fist, and you only want to eat that amount of meat only twice a week. And the rest of the time, what are we doing? We're eating plants, lots of plants, and we're thinking about that Mediterranean diet. And ice cream. Yeah. Also, when it, com- <laughs> when it comes to alcohol, a lot of research out there. Uh, some alcohol can be good and fine and okay. But for a lot of us, a glass of wine, which is five ounces. When I used to pour glasses of wine, it was more like 15 ounces. It was like a big gulp glass right. of wine. And then I'd have like three of those. Uh, so I wasn't doing that correctly. And then there's some other things, just ge- ge- geographically, making sure we stay connected to family members, making sure that we travel, making sure that we are part of some type of institution, maybe like a church, a synagogue, something that's going on in your neighborhood. And, and then lastly, being useful, being a useful person. And it doesn't mean they have to go out and be this huge philanthropist like Bill and Melinda Gates, but it does mean, am I useful to my neighbors? Am I useful to my friends? Am I useful to my family? Am I a useful person? Am I just a taker or am I someone that's giving? They find a lot of times people that live to the age of 100 and over, uh, they are very giving people. So how about that? The, the, the article that we read, the new research that, that is, there's actually some interesting concepts in it. The first one is now their scientists are trying to focus on your biological age versus your chronological age. And the, you know, the cliche for years and years has been, Hey, 60 is the new 40, like, or whatever. But the, there's a truth to that in the sense of they're finding that people, you, you can be a young 60 and you can be an old 30. Uh, on your the chronological age versus your biological age. So they're trying to, to f- micromanage this in a sense and go, are there broad strokes we can do that will, in a sense, make your, your biological age go at a fraction of what your chronological age is? And they, they think that the time horizon for just the physical human body is could be 150 years. And if they can slow down that, that biological age, then when you hit 70, 80, 90, your biological age could be 40. And it, with, and then that's the way they're going to do this longevity into the 120s, 130s, 140s. And so they're, they're trying to unlock this in the next five to 10 years is what they're saying. They, they've been saying that forever. They're unlocking this. That, they've been the saying that for five to 10 years. Correct. Yeah. But the, the prospect of that is interesting. Um, there's other longevity stuff like the Ray Kurzweil's of the world that are trying to basically download human consciousness and, and, and digitize it and then be able to upload it into a new body. Uh, there's some science fiction-y sort of stuff that's happening. But this one, which is interesting, like you said, the Blue Zone stuff 
slows down your biological age uh, so that it's not coincident with, you know, how many years you've been on the planet. Yeah. So that is interesting. I I think as Americans, we have to look at this and you really see this when you go to a Mariner game, just go to a Mariner game and look around and look at the men at a Mariner game. And I have people all the time tell me that I'm in great shape and, 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 and I'm, I'm, I'm not in that great a shape, but compared to the men at a Mariner game, I'm like, I'm, I'm like a male model. I am, I am like a superstar. So, you go there, and it's mostly men at the game, especially if you go to a Boston Red Sox game, and you look around, and I'm just going to say it like it is. We, men in America are just fat slobs. They're just big, gooey, fatty slobs. That's what we are. And we are just walking heart attack bombs. And if the heart attack doesn't get you and the stroke doesn't get you, then, you know, the carcinogens from the stuff we eat and the stuff we drink, you know, that the the cancer is on its way. And so you can do all this other stuff. But until we really pay attention to the way that we you, you get one of these, you just get one. And until we start paying attention to this one thing that we have. Uh, and we start taking better care of it. And, and we don't practice medicine where we're just showing up in the emergency room because something went wrong. But we're going to see the doctor at least once a year because everything is going right, right? It's, it's, it's the same way that you take care of your car. I have friends where their cars break down all the time. And the reason their cars break down all the time is because they never maintain their car. They wait for something to break, and then when it breaks, they fix it, and then they wonder why it keeps breaking down, and this car's a lemon. No, it's not, because if you you regularly maintain your car, you would never be calling me telling me that your car's breaking down. And we do, especially men in America, we do, we do a lot of this with our bodies. And sometimes it's not our fault. It's because we feel stress, we feel anxiety. In a lot of ways, we have to go out and we have to earn a living and we feel like it's all on us to be the bread maker and bring the bread and the cheese and whatever home. And as a result of that, there's no time left in the day in order to take care of this thing, this body that we've been given. I think it was bacon. What's that? I think you're supposed to bring home the bacon. (laughs) That's the problem. You're winning the bread, but you're bringing the bacon. Bringing home too much bacon and then eating the bacon, which I love bacon. So There's a new plant-based bacon. Is it good? It looks like bacon. I haven't tried it yet. (laughs) Anyway. Hey, you guys. Thanks for stopping by and listening to episode uh, 267. And if you're a Mariner fan, uh, don't get mad at me. You know it's true. Anyway. We are licensed brokers at Windermere. We're here to sit down. Just go to ronandonsitdown.com, and that's uh, our website where you can get in touch with us, and let's just sit down together and talk about your real estate journey, all right? You keep your head up. You keep your shoulders back. Thanks for hitting subscribe, and also thanks for telling your friends about the Ron and Don Show. Now over a million plays, a million plays. Thanks to you, and thanks to our friends at Les Schwab. We will see you next time for episode 268 on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Keep your head up and your shoulders back. And we'll see you next time on the Ron and Don Radio Network.